Welcome to the Sporting Ones podcast, episode two, um, with Rowie and Hados. We're going to be bringing you a uh, football feel slash soccer in this country um, to the segments. So it's going to include heavily a lot of Premier League and specifically also fantasy Premier League base for those that are playing the game, which there's 5.5 million worldwide last season. So I would expect that would continue to be the same. I've had a love of uh, football for about 23 years. Uh, massive Liverpool fan, so I'll try and be as unbiased as possible, but I am particularly looking forward to the upcoming season. Um, and then we've got uh, Hados, who is a latecomer uh, to the Premier League in the last couple of years, but uh, he's taken on board a good side in Tottenham, so... It's uh, going to be an interesting season with Liverpool. I think this is their best side I've seen in my 23 years of following them. So that's why I'm particularly excited. And Haydos, you're looking forward to the Tottenham uh, season ahead as well, I think. Yes, Paul, thank you. Um, Lovely introduction there. As you touched on, um, yeah, only sort of last few seasons got into the Premier League. Uh, mainly through fantasy, um, and yeah, chose to go with Spurs, probably heavily driven by the wonder kid, Harry Kane, um, but yeah, I'm getting into it as every season goes on. And it's been a, um, it's been a very quick off-season in regards to, obviously we've had the World Cup, so that's shortened the transfer window where teams can actually make their transfers to about a month because the Premier League is actually shutting off their transfer window for the first time uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, that means teams in the Premier League cannot sign uh, anyone else outside of this window until uh, January. So it's uh, going to be a busy night ahead, I think. And we've seen um, teams have already made um, their trades early, especially Liverpool. Um, And... A few are trying to catch up. I know Man United are trying to uh, rush through a few deadline deals, as are Tottenham. Arsenal have done a fair bit of business early. Chelsea still have one or um, two signings they would like to make. So it's uh, going to be an interesting night ahead, I think. Um, Hayden, what, what, how do you feel about Tottenham not having any signings as yet? Do you expect them to sign Jack Grealish? Um, the latest I heard is he won't be signed before the deadline um so yeah i think it's pretty normal uh for tottenham to sort of leave their transfers late we might probably get a bit more involved when the uh trade opens again around uh, new year's time but uh not too worried i think um we do have a little bit of depth there so and uh you know they're going to be needed because a lot of our players are only just now coming back from world cup so yeah the depth probably will be tested but um not too concerned by that? That's going, to, that's going to be an interesting point you raise because the World Cup's going to play an interesting part because those sides that went deep in the World Cup, uh, the likes of Belgium, the likes of France, the likes of uh, Croatia, um, they're all going to uh, England as well. They're all going to have a massive impact on how the um, season ahead pans out, especially in the first month or two. You can't win the Premier League in the first month or two. Well, you can. But it's more likely you can lose it in the first month or two. And it's going to affect the likes of Man City, Tottenham, 
uh, Man United, those that uh, have had those players in there. So Man United have had uh, Lukaku, um, a few of the English boys in there as well. Um, so they're going to, um, Lukaku's their main striker, so he's going to need at least a month before he's back to match sharpness. Uh, Tottenham have obviously had uh, Deli Ali, uh, Harry Kane um, at the forefront of um, their campaign, as well as Jan Vertonghen. Uh, with Belgium, so they're going to struggle a bit to implement those players, so it could mean that Tottenham rely heavily more on the likes of Christian Eriksen, who finished his World Cup early, uh, Hyung uh, uh, Song Ming, I think. Yep, Sonny. Sonny, as we like to call him, and he needs to be firing as well, and it could mean they use the likes of Nkudu, um, uh, Lucas Moira, um especially these types of players to in the first part of the season. Man City have got the depth to cover the likes of De Bruyne and Jesus and then uh, Harry Stone, uh, and sorry, John Stones, uh, not Harry Maguire. He's at Leicester, and they'll struggle without him and Jamie Vardy early. Um, but they're going to um, have to implement their squad depth early. They'll get better as the year goes on, but it's going to be a test to see how they go early. There's... Um You've touched on the main uh, World Cup players that are going to be out of action for the first couple of weeks. Um, there's teams that are not affected by that so much, um, so they're probably going to hit the ground running. What are your thoughts on, say, in Arsenal, their first month, how, how are they going to approach the season? I think their first month, um, Emery's had the whole pre-season to work with Arsenal. That's a huge advantage, not coming in late. A lot of his players have been available as well. So the likes of Aubameyang are going to hit the ground running. We've already seen in pre-season, Arsenal have been fairly impressive, although their opponents haven't been that uh, great. Like uh, They played PSG, but it's not yeah standard Paris Saint-Germain. It was very much a um, third-string lineup due to all their uh, World Cup players uh, not being back as yet. Um, but I think that Arsenal could be a surprise in the first month, even though they've got Manchester City first up and then Chelsea. They could be a real surprise back. And if they can get a win and a draw out of that first two games, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. I'm not saying they can get that because Man City's depth is incredible and Aguero has started the season well, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal can get a draw in this opening round. Yeah, pretty uh, important for them. They've, they're going to have a step up on the competition, so this is the time to use it, obviously. Now, you mentioned the signings, and we'll touch on them later, but can I get a top four or maybe a top six sort of prediction from you? All right. I've got, um, as much as I'd love to say Liverpool to win the title, I think Man City's depth is just too much, and it's just one season too far to make up a difference of over 20 points in a season. So Man City for mine will finish top. I've got Liverpool second. Um, and then I've got Tottenham third. I think they'll be hitting their straps later in the season and come with a rush. Fourth, I've got, and with no confidence at all, I'm going to sneak Man United in there. If Mourinho stays, if he leaves and implodes the way the signs are pointing in his third season, then it could spell curtains for top four for Man United. He does have a history of that in his third season. You pointed out to me. Third season syndrome for Mourinho. He tends to lose the plots. Uh, And Man United is the only club he hasn't won a title with 
uh, title with in his first or second season. So the pressure is really on. And he's already shown signs of uh, his usual implosion, blaming the uh, club, blaming the fans, blaming the chief executive, uh, blaming the board. He's already thrown his toys out of the pram, so it will be interesting to see if he can control himself during the season. My tip is he can't. So that would leave fifth uh, as Arsenal, just. And Chelsea, there's so much upheaval with manager, Europa League, new players only just coming in, players going out. It's very unstable, and it, it, it stunned me that they left um, the sacking of Conte to the first or second week of pre-season. I, I just couldn't understand that. Um, so I have them as sixth, unfortunately. Okay, and other teams that are going to be around the mark, um, West Ham have made a whole stack of signings. Everton have done the same. Um, newly promoted Fulham. Uh, we expect the Wolves to go quite well. Um, who are some other teams to look out for? Bournemouth would be one. Um, they're very strong at home. I don't know whether they can crack the top ten, but Bournemouth would be one to watch out for. One that could... I don't expect them to get relegated, but I'm a bit uh, worried about their progress. They finished 7th last season. Uh, they're still in the Europa League qualification. Burnley could struggle this season. You need to make signings to progress, and I haven't seen that from Burnley. And I'm worried they could uh, be in a real relegation uh, fight if things don't go their way. Although they have strengthened in defence. They've brought... Um, Ben Mee's made in uh, Gibson from Middlesbrough, Ben Gibson. Uh, so he'll be, they'll have a strong defence, but I just don't like where their attack is going and they haven't added to it. Wolves, definitely. Um, they were very strong in the championship and they've signed half of uh, Portugal uh, with Rui Patricio and uh, Yal Matinho, who's surprisingly ended up at a club like uh, Wolves. Fulham have signed impressively German World Cup winner Andre Schürrle, as well as uh, Jon Michael Seri, who was on the radar of Chelsea, Arsenal, and Liverpool. Um, Mitrovic, who's a proven goal scorer from Newcastle, and they've also signed Alfie Mawson from Swansea and Callum Chambers on loan from Arsenal. So Fulham have really strengthened and uh, are looking to stay up. The ones that will struggle for relegation, I think, uh, Huddersfield. There's been no real strength strengthening from them and that's for a side that barely scraped out a relegation last season uh it doesn't look good for them early same with brighton uh no real big signings for brighton and i think they might uh they might come unstuck despite their relatively good home form they had last year and the other one is cardiff i haven't seen too many signings from cardiff and that just uh, worries me for a side that's got promoted. You have to make signings. And they were a winner of a playoff? Was that them? or No, that was Fulham. Uh, Cardiff did finish second, only just ahead of Aston Villa. So I'd be wary of uh, Cardiff um, continuing on past this season. Uh, I think they're going to have the yo-yo effect of uh, straight up and then straight back down. Before we get into the uh, fantasy Premier League side of things, a uh, couple more predictions I need out of you, the expert. Golden Boot and Player of the Year. Golden Boot. This is going to be... Uh, this was hotly contested last season, of course. Salah had a record-breaking season, uh, scoring uh, the Premier League record in a uh, season... 
uh, in the Premier League, so uh, from 1991 onwards. And he pipped Harry Kane. It was a very high-scoring season. So uh, Salah had 32, and uh, Kane, I think, ended up with his uh, usual 30 that he's hit. uh, No, 30 for the first time he's hit. He's hit uh, over 25 um, on a couple of occasions, Harry Kane. Over 25 in the last three seasons, I believe. So he'll be thereabouts again. Um, So Salah and Kane, I see, as thereabouts. The one... Kane's pretty stiff, isn't he, to score 30 for the first time and not take home the golden boot? Something he's pretty used to receiving at the end of the year? Yeah, well, he wasn't too happy about it. Uh, He did try and claim that um, ghost goal, which he did end up getting, surprisingly enough. Uh, Didn't help me in fantasy, though, so that still annoyed me. That's another story. That's a story for another day. Um, Harry Kane will go close again. He never scores in August anyway, so that's not too much of a concern. Does his best work around uh, September to May. So um, he'll be thereabouts. Salah will be thereabouts again. He'll get plenty of supply from midfield and his uh, other forwards in uh, Firmino and Mane. Firmino could be a surprise up there. But uh, the, the, other, the, the, two, the one that I'm looking at is Aubameyang. He scored, um, I think, six goals in his ten appearances he had. Uh, he was very much uh, a poacher and a finisher, and I think if he gets enough supply, he can uh, he can score over twenty five goals and take home the golden boot. Aguero is the other one from Manchester City, much like Kane, always up near the top of the scoring charts. The only issue with uh, Aguero is the strength and depth they have, the variety of goal scorers they have, and his fitness. He has had a few injuries over the journey, a, a few soft tissue injuries, which can be a concern. But when on the top of his game, Aguero is the one that can uh, cause some problems and score more than uh, three or four, as we've seen on many occasions. Yeah, he's a pretty explosive player. And, you know, it's a testament to Man City's depth that they don't just rely on him. But as you said, if he plays enough games, if they play well enough as they should, yeah, he'll be right up there once again. So now to um, player of the season, as you suggested. I'm going to go for a player that was extremely stiff last year. Um, and this is putting my bias aside. I love that the fact that Salah got player of the year, but there was an equally as good a player in a slightly different position in Kevin De Bruyne. And he's a perennial favourite of uh, ours in, uh, in our midfield sides for fantasy. But uh, if he hits the same level of form and can take it to a slightly higher gear, uh, higher gear, then there's no reason why De Bruyne cannot win the player of the season this season. Other ones I'd be looking at uh, would be, again, Salah, um, if he backs up his incredible season last season, then he'd be another one I'd be looking at. Obviously, if Obama Yang wins the Golden Boot, as expected uh, from myself, or as predicted from myself, uh, then he could, uh, he could also... Uh, take it home as well. What What about yourself? Who do you see as winning the? Uh, I'll get the predictions off yourself. Top Top six, Golden Boots, rele- uh, Top six relegation, Golden Boot, and Player of the Season. I'll get yours. Um, top six probably going to be pretty similar to yours. Um, you'd expect Man City to go back to back. Liverpool going to be right up there. I mean, they're going to be probably nipping on the heels of Man City all year. Um, it'll just come down to those big top four clashes which are always you know they always chuck up a few surprises um 
Yeah, you'd expect Spurs to go up there again. Um, Arsenal, I think they're going to have a really good start to the year. And, you know, if they can maintain that form, they've got a new manager. There's a little bit of optimism coming out of, out of the Emirates. And, um, yeah, I mean, Man U, Chelsea, they're the, they're the usuals that are thereabouts. So, yeah, I can't see too much happening from below. I mean, maybe Everton, maybe Fulham. I mean, but, you know, it's a big maybe. Yeah, West. I think West Ham are going to have a big say. I mean, they've signed signed nearly half a uh, signed nearly half a side. Well, not half a side. They've signed over half a side. Complete player overhaul. Uh, players like Wilshere, Filippi Anderson, Yarmolenko, guys that have all been linked with big clubs and have ended up at West Ham. Um, they could have a real say on proceedings for the top six. They could cause a few upsets along the way, and they could be the one that if. The top six aren't on their game. West Ham could sneak in. Same with Everton and Richarlison. And um, if they get Yeni, uh, Yeni Mina as well, uh, Colombian star from the World Cup, then Everton could sneak in as well. So it's going to be a really interesting season. Who's your um, relegation? And who's your uh, golden boot and player of the year? Yeah, once again, similar to you, I'm going to go um, Huddersfield, as you said. They uh, fought... Uh, you know, pretty pretty hardly to stay up. Uh, Brighton, another one. And as you said, if you don't add to your list, you know, you quickly go backwards. And, um, yeah, maybe Southampton is another one. They weren't particularly strong last year. They only just scraped through to live to fight another season. So, you know, they're going to be in the gun, I think. That's um yeah that's that's a good point. Southampton haven't really strengthened too much. They've got a few relatively new signings that have... Uh, not the big names that say West Ham or Fulham have uh, been able to uh, grab in the transfer market, but uh, it will be interesting to see how Southampton go because they could be a side much like Burnley who struggle and will be fighting the relegation battle all season. So it, it's always in the Premier League a battle of two two uh, two tables, uh, the bottom half and the top half, and the bottom half can sometimes stretch all the way to about ninth. Um, golden boot, I'm going to back Harry Kane. Who else? I mean... Were you really expecting a different answer from me? Not really, and I didn't expect you to go the Aubameyang angle because you are a Tottenham fan after all, so I'm pretty sure you've got Aubameyang uh, near the bottom of your list, hopefully, I would say. And as you said, uh, the month of August, never kind to Harry Kane. It's quite an unusual and surreal record for a player of such prowess and has scored so many goals as he has. He um, must be a player that just needs a few games just to get in the groove, perhaps. Yeah, well, whatever it is... Usually it ends up pretty well at the end of the year for him. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to miss most of August um, or, you know, play bit roles here and there. So Yeah, coming off the bench, you'd think for probably the first one or two. Yeah, he's probably not going to be happy about that, but um, who else no. do it? He, he never is happy about that. Uh, he never he never likes coming off the ground, let alone uh, starting from the bench. Yeah. Um, and player of the year, I mean, it has to be Salah for me. I mean, to make his mark on the EPL like he has last year, I mean, that's probably... I mean, yeah, he was at Chelsea before, as we all know. Um, but, you know, he came back again, mature, and he was just sensational. He I just mean, seemed to fit Klopp's style of play, and I think that was... Uh, no disrespect to Jose Mourinho, but I think that was part of the problem. He uh, Add to the fact that... Aiden Hazard was was ahead of him at Chelsea. Uh, that that's a that's a, that's another story. Um, but I, 
he wasn't really a Mourinho type of player. And that's where the difference lies, whereas he fits into Jurgen Klopp's style of play seamlessly. All right, well, we'll move on to the FPL now. Um, yeah, that's uh, once again another another aspect of EPL that we like to get into. Probably me, so a little bit more than you. Um, oh, I wouldn't say that. I've got my competitive streak. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too happy about where I finished the last <laughs> two years, and especially last year with my... Uh, Brain fade in October with my um, what was it again? Negative forty. Yeah. Thought I'd hit the wild card and the uh, yeah, made uh, twelve transfers. That was just a practice wild card, I think. Yeah, we'll, it was we'll my practice wild card. So yeah, I'm I'm looking for uh, bigger and better things this season. So as long as I finish as I have done in the last two seasons in the top five percent worldwide, I'm ex- I'm happy with that. Although, would I like to take home the the top prize? Uh, certainly. All right, so we'll touch on the new signings that are going to be most fantasy relevant. We've got a few here. Um, first of all, Liverpool new keeper, Alisson. You're pretty excited about him? Yeah, well, if, he's, uh, if his stats are anything to go by from his time at Roma last season, uh, his stats actually compare favourably to perennial goalkeeper first choice for fantasy in David De Gea from Man United. His save stats are about the same percentage, around about the 79%. Uh, so in terms of save points... That could be handy. Uh, and clean sheets, he saved, uh, I think he had one less clean sheet than De Gea last season at Roma. So I'd expect um, that he's going to make a massive impact on Liverpool's defence and also uh, in terms of fantasy as a uh, different alternative to De Gea. All right, we'll just get a quick summary from these players. Um Kiter from Liverpool. So Naby Kiter, a dynamic midfielder from uh, Red Bull Leipzig in Germany. He was signed last season, uh, but was loaned back to Leipzig. So he will add, I think, a lot of assists. He's already formed an understanding with Daniel Sturridge in pre-season, and his passing is, uh, from what I've seen so far, uh, sublime. So he could be... Handy at seven point five million, um, so he will he will uh, definitely give us this. Okay, uh, Schürrle from Fulham, German World Cup winner, very good at Chelsea uh, when he was there before he got uh, sent on loan. He he's got an eye for goal, so uh, he at six million he's a snip. Um, Mares's move to City is going to be pretty. Um, you know, it's going to change a few things there. How do you see that playing out? Early season, he will get games, but it's a matter of how often he's rotated uh, and if he plays full minutes. But early season signs are he will be starting. So for the first couple of weeks, don't plan for long term. If you're planning for short term, I'd get in uh, Mares or, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get in Mares. He's uh, he's worth a crack at 9 mil. Um, Seri? Yeah, he's gonna. He had plenty of assists in the uh, in league in Liga One in the French league. So again, five point five mil uh, for an assist king is uh, is again a bargain price. So we we spoiled for choice this season. And how do you see that affecting Kante? Uh, well, it won't affect Kante because I think what you're referring to is Jorginho at Chelsea might affect Kante. <laughs> and um, moving on, another uh, Frenchman in Kante. Early season, he might not play too much, Kante, uh, much uh, like the other World Cup players. But Jorginho is a deep holding midfielder, which is uh, apparently going to push Kante further forward. 
So it would be interesting to see if Kante can uh, produce more points from that. Um, Mitrovic at Fulham? Yeah, goal-scoring machine last season in the Championship. So Mitrovic uh, could be a surprise back at early for Fulham and start banging the goals with the supplies getting from uh, Schürrle and uh, Sessegnon. Um, Anderson at West Ham? Philippi Anderson, yeah, I mean, West Ham's going to be hard to monitor. I wouldn't go too hard on their players. Their draw is uh, not great early on. Uh, and also, they've got so many new players to embed into their system that it's going to be uh, hard to see who's going to be the one that's going to make the most impact from West Ham. Okay, um, moving on now. How about when you're picking your team, what is some of the strategies that you use Um and how do you go about setting up your team? So this year, I've avoided, I've, I've taken a different strategy to usual. Usually, I'd go for two big strikers, two big midfielders, one big defender, and cut price goalkeepers. But due to the World Cup, I've changed that strategy. I've gone with um, one big striker, one mid to high price striker, and a sort of budget to mid price striker. And a couple of more extra midfielders, so more goal-scoring midfielders. It's it's going to be a tough one. I've avoided players specifically that have played deep in the World Cup. Yeah, um, I think last year the midfielders were where most of the points got scored. Um, there's obviously a few big forwards like Kane, Firmino, Aguero. Um, they're going to be still great forwards, but midfielders tend they get more points for goals and assists. So. You know they're worth a little bit more in in points, and their their value is actually a little bit lower than some of the the top end guys. So that's another thing to think about. Yeah, I mean definitely in terms of uh, your forwards this year. So like whereas I had uh, Harry Kane and Lukaku from the start last year, not this year. I've gone with uh, Aguero. I've gone with uh, Firmino because he's got back in enough time. And I've gone with uh, Zaha at uh, Crystal Palace, who looks like he's staying. So I've uh, gone with him. In terms of midfielders, you're right. If you look at the top scorers over the years, they have been midfielders. It was Salah last season. It was Sanchez before that. And it was Mares before that. So it's always a midfielder, that, a goal-scoring midfielder that ends up being most often the highest-scoring player. Yeah. Um, now, you touched on the World Cup players. Uh, they're going to be probably back around about week four, maybe week five. They should really be starting to play out full games and all that. Do you think that that's going to affect how you use your wild card and try and get those players back in? No, I, I'm still I, I'm a big fan of using the wild card during the international breaks. So either in that October or November, and most likely November international break, is when I'd be looking to use the wild card. So you get maximum value for using your wild card, a couple of almost a full two weeks, and that way you can increase, you get the uh, chance to increase of, uh, the value increase of the players during that time. Yeah, generally I also like to use my wild card as late as possible so that you can really set up your team for as long as possible, keep your transfers uh, very minimal week to week. Um, however, the World Cup, you know, it's going to shake things up. Uh, there's the likes of Harry Kane. De Bruyne, um, you know, Outer World, uh, Batongan. These are some players that you, you're going to want in your team at some stage because they're always harvesting points. Um, yeah, so it's just going to be a matter of if I've got form players at the right time or, you know, you might have to make that early 
wildcard move just to keep up with the rest of the competition. So, yeah, there's a little bit to think about, I think. Well, it, it's, it's funny you say that because the winner of our mini league made that call last season and did the early wildcard in about week uh, five or six, set themselves up, got the early points, and then also went early with his second wildcard. So, and if we look at uh, the overall fantasy winner, from what I understand is he used his wildcards uh, early. He didn't um, rely on using them in double game weeks, but kept a couple of chips up his sleeve for the last couple of rounds. Yeah. So I think that's the main way to do it. Yeah, we'll probably touch on that next episode about keeping those chips um, as light as possible, u- utilising them around the double game week fixtures and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think for the main part, you always look at the fixtures, try and pick uh, your team based around what's what teams have easy fixtures. They are ones that are at home against the lower lower teams on the table, uh, teams that tend to give up goals and stuff like that. That's generally how I like to set up my team. Um, there is another aspect of it as well, which is to sort of try and make the team value as high as possible so that at the end of the year, you've got as much cash to then really get in you know as many good players as you can obviously so you know there's a few different aspects that you can look at it but um those are probably the main two for me you're a fan of uh banking your transfers whereas i've been known to uh burn a few players along the way and cop the uh old negative four negative eight um late in the season i think that's been advantageous for me at times especially two seasons ago on the last day where I happened to get a negative 12 but still ranked 3,096 overall. And I will never forget that, and yeah, I have printed that out. I'm um, still stoked about that. So in terms of that, you can make up ground by doing those transfers as long as you think the players are going to double what you've, uh, what you've cost. Yeah, well... But it is highly, highly risky, and I am looking to play a bit safer this year. Yeah, for me, I mean, you don't want to make any more than two or three. Uh, once you're taking those big minus hits, you're really affecting your game week. Um, you know, because you're wanting a player who's going to score more than six, essentially, once you move past your free transfer. And, you know, that's very hard to do um, on any given game week. So, yeah, you really want to be smart about it. Save your transfers um, so that you can use two the next week. Um, that's another strategy as well. Um yeah, I think the less transfers, the better for me. Yeah, you are you are a big fan of uh, banking those uh, that free transfer and then having it roll over so you can do the two. I mean, it's handy if you do that because then you can do, say, three transfers and you can transform your sign a bit and it's only cost you four points. Yeah. And you'd expect seven times out of ten, you're going to make those points back and double it as you want. Yeah. All right, well, I think we'll wrap things up now. Um, is there anything that you want to add there? What's your, uh, before we get started in the Fantasy Premier League season, which does kick off uh, earlier this season, well, not earlier this season, it kicks off the same as last season, it's a Friday night fixture, it's Man United-Leicester. Which means Saturday morning, which early mean, Saturday morning. Early Saturday morning our time, which means you've really got to have your teams in by uh, late Friday night. Do your tinkering uh, now while you can, once you know the uh, deadline day deals. But what's your lock? What's your absolute bargain? Who's your keeper? And are you rolling with two big strikers or are you going with one? 
Okay. Um, Salah is an absolute lock. 13 million, though. It, it's a huge outlay. It is, but 52% of the competition currently have him. That's going to be... To uh, use a Simpsons line, 52% of the time you're right and 48% you're wrong. I mean, you're, you're telling me you're not going to go with Salah. No, I didn't say that, but I'm, exactly. I'm just questioning it. I mean, it's a huge outlay. It's 13 million. It's more than any other player's cost before. I mean, hats off to the people that don't have him because, you know, you'll get a head start on the competition because everyone's going to have him. Oh. Everyone's going to have him their captain. You're risking not having him, but, you know, if he doesn't go as well as he did last year, then... Who knows? That could be the the secret this year. It's a ballsing move, but it means that you could essentially sign an Ericsson and a Mane instead of a Salah and pair them up with a couple of, say, mid-priced options of Richarlison and Sigurdsson. Go for an Everton duo. Um, My bargain player this year, uh, to start with anyway, is going to be Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth. He uh, just has a knack of scoring or assisting. Uh, he generally takes a lot of set pieces. Um, they've got a really great couple of months to start with. Uh, so, yeah, just hoping that he can sort of chip in with a, a goal or an assist here or there. And uh, that is yeah. a, there. That's a really left field option, not one I've considered. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine his ownership would be five percent or below. Surely, uh, it's only one percent. Ah, there you go. So, <laughs> in terms of that, that that's another good point. Point um, differentials, um, probably more uh, essential later in the season, but early in the season can also be just as effective. Yep, uh, Edison is my keeper. Uh, just praying that he starts. I'm hoping he will. Man City have got a good defence. Um, well, I, I can't see any reason why he doesn't start because Allison was the Brazilian number one goalkeeper. Yeah. He was essentially there for a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so he will he will start, no doubt about that. Uh, I don't think they're going to start Claudio uh, Bravo anytime soon. Well, that's great news to me. How about yourself? Uh, well, the lock, as much as I questioned you on it, uh, my lock is also uh, Salah because if he gets going like he did last season, it's going to be impossible to get him in your side. So you'd rather him in... And then if something happens, you can transfer him out um, and you make some money out of it. That's the thing. And with that high ownership, if he starts rolling in the points like he did, he will never be cheaper than 13 mil. And he's only going to go up in value. And then and then you've got to try and get him in, which is going to be uh, very difficult. Yeah. Um, what big forward have you gone with? Um, I went with Aguero, like yourself. He uh, has had a great preseason. World Cup finished early. Um, after the first tricky away game to Arsenal, they've got a really lovely run of fixtures. Um, so yeah, I can see him going quite well. Yeah, I'm. I've I've gone with Aguero, um, which I haven't got a long term plan for him. They have got a good draw after the first game. I also know that Jesus will be coming back in, so I'm wary of that. So with Aguero. I'm tempted to switch him after a month or maybe even three weeks straight to Aubameyang because Arsenal's fixtures after the first two are quite also quite good. And as we saw last season, when Arsenal had good fixtures, Aubameyang got on a roll. Yeah. Um, I've also got Zaha. Um, he's going to be another one. He had a really good finish to the end of uh, last year. It's going to be up there with Benteke, we think, um, but that's not really going to affect him too much. Not based on last season. He, he took over from Benteke, and uh, I think Benteke will have a bit of a uh, squad role 
as opposed to being a um, starter. I see them going with a um, quick forward line up front. So Zaha, if he's in the same form as what he was last season, uh, at seven mil, he's a bargain, especially in a forward role as well. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. He won't, he won't lose as many bonus points because he is a forward now. That affects the midfielders more, losing possession. So as a forward, that's going to actually probably gain with Zaha. Um, who's your keeper? Uh, I've gone with perennial fantasy favourite, which I didn't do last season, um, and I've gone with De Gea. Uh, didn't really have that great a World Cup, but it means he's come back early, he's fresh. United always have good defence because Mourinho, they're always strong at home. I think just bank the points early, and then if I need to get rid of him, I can, but usually he's a staple throughout the season. And the ownership of over 30% okay. sort of uh, decides that. All right. Um, anything else you got to add there? What about defenders? Who, who are the defenders you're seeing well this year? Because Azpilicueta and Alonso are going to be interesting. They were the two best defenders last season in Conte's wing-back system. But this season, they're under Sari in a, in a, in a solid uh, back four. So it could affect their points and how many assists they get. I think based on their value alone, and as you said, there's enough question marks, it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. Um, you know, I've also heard that the manager's a bit more attacking as well, which could sort of, uh, you know... Could lessen, entice more points, yeah. Or it could uh, lessen their, you know, clean sheet value too, so... Yeah, yeah, it leaves them more open at the back, and they have got a new untested keeper in the Premier League who's cost them 71 mil. So it's going to be interesting to see how they all gel together. Uh, I like, uh, and I'm not being biased here, but Liverpool's defence of uh, Robinson or Van Dijk, I think you've got to have one of those early with their fixtures. And the back half of last season, they were two of the best scoring defenders. Yeah, I've got Robertson. He also adds that, you know, attacking threat. it's interesting to see who's copying who here because I've also got Robinson. So early, we're going to be scoring similar amounts of points. So this could be interesting to uh, start off the season, I think. Yeah, well, that usually tends to happen. But by the end of the year, I think, you know, I tend to okay. win out. Let's yeah, all right. History says you've won uh, You've won the last, uh, well, you finished second last year. You, you won the year before that. Uh, the year before that, though, when I wasn't in your competition, I did outscore you, but that hasn't counted the last two years. So, no, we won't worry about that at all. Yeah, we won't worry about that. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Maybe it's third time lucky for myself, or maybe you can come back and win it. Yes, well, good luck to you. I don't think I can go through another year of you regretting every trade that you do, retiring halfway through the year, retiring at the end of the year. I just can't do it, Paul. So. Oh, I think, yeah, look, that, that, that's just standard myself. I'll, I'll uh, crack it at times with trades. Yeah. Uh, I'll have my brilliant genius trades, which I do at times, yeah. and I'll have my usual uh, mid-season retirement and end-of-season retirement just to make things interesting and say I'm going to take on a consulting role. Yeah. So throughout the year, we're, we're going to have more of this. Um, it's going to be... We won't have a um, preview of every game, but we will have a general preview of the Premier League, uh, as well as um, your Fantasy League segment, what we think, what trades you could make for the week, and uh, what, uh, what, how our teams and how our league are doing, which maybe I'm not looking forward to as much because uh, you'll probably be ahead of me in that. Yep, well, uh, it's going to be another interesting season, and it's, it's hard to believe that it's, you know, two days away. Already um, here. I'm, uh, I'm, as, I'm as excited as a kid at Christmas, I think. Very good. So we'll wrap that up there. We'll uh, come back with our um, AFL 
um, preview for next week tomorrow night. And we'll have that up and running for round 21, which that's going to be a very interesting podcast, I think. Yeah, there's going to be a few things to talk about, I think. Stay tuned for episode three tomorrow night. Thanks, everybody. Bye.